Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of the Chef Show, Chef Amy Sins. And today I have Chef Amy, a different Chef Amy, Chef Amy Mertens from Copper Vine joining me today. How are you doing, Chef Amy? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to get to hang out with you and, and talk food. And I know over at Copper Vine, there's a lot of really cool things happening. And I imagine it's been a roller coaster the last few years, but you're still getting to pull off some cool stuff over there. Oh, absolutely. It's been, it has definitely been a roller coaster, but it's been a lot of fun and a great growing experience. So now y'all opened up a few years. How many years have y'all been open or how long have you been there? I've been there since the beginning. Uh, I actually started as the sous chef and now I'm the executive chef of Copper Vine. Uh, we've been open for about three years. I think it's three years in September. So this is exciting. Congratulations, <laughs> three years. And you know, a lot has happened mm -hmm. in three years. And that transition that you've had from going from sous chef to executive chef, what, what kind of changes have you made on the menu or mm -hmm. how have you brought your vision? Uh, the menu has changed considerably in the last couple of years just because originally we started with sort of a template of like what we thought people would like. Um, and then as I was given the freedom and the trust to sort of play with it a little bit, I was able to take like New Orleans local flavors, local ingredients and um, traditional dishes and sort of like turn them into my own style. Um, and my own style is a lot of influences from all over the world. So even if you don't necessarily know you're eating that, you know, like if I put fish sauce in a recipe or something, you don't necessarily know there's fish sauce in there. It'll be a seafood recipe though, so you don't really have to worry about that. But um, you, you wouldn't necessarily know that I was using also those types of ingredients, right? So it's a, it's been a learning experience. It's been a lot of fun to play around with. Now, you said you like to put flavors from all over the world. And for my listeners out there, I was like, Chef Amy, so like, where are you from? What did you tell me? Um, I am an army brat. I'm from all over the world. Uh, I've lived in places like Germany and California and Georgia and New York and Japan um, and Iowa, <laughs> you know, Virginia, DC area, and then now New Orleans. Well, what's it like as a little kid to, you know, be moved around like that and introduced to maybe foods that are different and unique? How did how did your parents start to like get you to try things? Um, my parents sort of didn't give us the option. You know, they weren't like, oh, here, eat these, this other food. There was no other option. It was like, if you're hungry, you're gonna eat it, right? So um, <coughs> they basically put it in front of us and they were like, at least try it. Like at least like try it regardless of how weird you think it might be you know, put it in your mouth and see how you actually in enjoy it or not, you know? Um, so I was always the kid who like was fascinated with that kind of thing though. You know, I remember eating sushi when I was like six years old and being like, oh, this is pretty cool, you know? Or my dad would be like, here, eat a shrimp head, you know? And I was like a child. <laughs> so, so it's funny that you say eat a shrimp head. Right. Cause today I was talking to another chef and he was telling me about a dish with a fish head. And I said, as a chef, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. But not everybody wants their food to look at them. That's true. <laughs> so like, how do you ease someone in who's a diner that maybe 
isn't used to that. Well, uh, I think in the U.S., a lot of the time, our packaging sort of takes away from, you know, what what proteins actually are, right? Um, and a lot of people feel more comfortable eating, you know, a fish fillet when there's no bones and no skin and, you know, no eyes staring at them or anything like that. But I think it also um, is about respecting the animals and, and making sure you're using them appropriately. Like, it's not just, you know, we're growing them to eat them. They're also living beings, right? So um, I think it's partially, like, learning to respect that it is a process, just like our supply system is a process and it's made up of people, right? So we're having shortages all over the place and stuff like that right now. And it's kind of similar in that sense. It's like you're looking at food and supplies as, as the same thing um, or the same processes. Um, but I think, I think people have their own ideas of like what they want to eat and what they don't want to eat, right? Um, or their own biases or their own, you know, uh, oh, I tried that one time when I was like eight years old and I hated it, so I'm never gonna try it again. Um, there's just so much color and vibrance and flavor and texture in this world and there's no reason to limit yourself, right? Just like try to open your mind and enjoy. Well, I think you have a great point in that you know, we need to respect the animal, the ingredient, but that whole process. And one of the things as a diner, I feel like we go into a restaurant and we, we're excited to know the chef. We may have our server that we always work with, but you know, I, I joke, I want to spend a day with the guy that has to drive the beer truck on Bourbon Street during oh. Mardi Gras, right? <laughs> because there's so much that does happen behind the scenes and you know, in that whole supply chain of the hospitality business, is there a job in this industry that you're like, gosh, I want to spend a day with that guy or whew, that guy has the hardest job and I don't want to do it. And I'm so glad he's around or she's around. Ooh. I want to, I want to ride with the, the beer truck guy. Right. Right. And honestly, I used to, uh, I have learned so much from uh, people who work in the industry on just how to organize things in my life because <laughs> of the way the front of the house keeps things so organized right. and it's so different than the way the back of the house keeps things organized. And so I feel like this industry really makes us very well-rounded. I think so. I think pretty much everything I've done in, in the hospitality industry has bled into my day-to-day -day life and vice versa, right? Um, I definitely think that like you learn skills that you end up using in day-to-day -day life. Like I go to the grocery store and I say behind, you know, or like coming around the corner um, and like random people just look at me like, oh, she's kind of rude, but I'm, I'm just communicating in the way that like I've been taught in restaurants. Um, <laughs> and it just always takes people off guard. It's just very funny, very funny to watch. Um, I don't know if there's a job that I look at and I'm like, man, I do not want to do that. I kind of love every aspect of it. Uh, I do think the beer guy is a good one though. That guy, <laughs> that guy works super hard on like holidays and stuff when they're bringing in the orders and they're just carrying up these huge cases of like, you know, like the stacked pile high, you know, human six foot stacks of cases and cases of produce and stuff like that. And they're like coming up the elevator or coming upstairs even. 
uh, those guys really do work very hard. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's important for us as diners to really appreciate the process of, of how the food comes, everything from the farmers, the delivery people, the chefs, the servers. It, we really are part of this hospitality family. Mm-hmm. It's like its own little ecosystem almost, you know? It's just everything is so connected. And everybody, you make you make connections with them. It's like the farmer should be your friend at some point, Absolutely. right? The the guy who gets you your oysters, you should know his first and last name and how his family's doing. You know what I mean? Like these are people that you cultivate relationships with. Now, when you think about some of these relationships and you know, being here in New Orleans, um, as a chef, do you just go out and and look for people that you want to start working with? Or are they? Are you getting referred by other chefs? How do you find that one oyster guy or that one, uh, you know, produce family that that has the best collard greens we've we've seen? Right. Um, I think it's sort of exper- It's partially experience, right? It's like if you work at a specific restaurant, um, you tend to get to know like their suppliers, right? And then they refer you to different people or they're like, oh, I have a mushroom guy or, oh, I have a strawberry lady or, oh, I have a quail guy. You know what I mean? Like he, or a rabbit guy, like he farms rabbits and, you know, he doesn't really supply them for anybody else. So you could be the only one, right? Um, But I think it's just kind of is, it's like about having a conversation with your initial um, people that you've been introduced to, right, at different places. So that's usually like where it comes from initially. But then for these, um, I've been doing some wine dinners over the last couple of years. And every time we do a wine dinner, I want to use somebody from the area, right? I want to use a local farmer. Um, so especially for this this upcoming one, I've reached out to a couple different farmers just to see if we could get, you know, some seafood, just to see like if they would be willing to supply it directly and then we could cultivate a relationship that way. So. It's, it's kind of, you go out and you look for it, but then you also get referrals. And often. sometimes it just finds you and you don't even know it. Exactly. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> it happens like so naturally, you don't even realize what's happening, you know? <laughs> I, cool. I laugh that if um, anyone ever grabs my phone, they're not going to be able to know like anyone's first name because it is saved as the Satsuma lady. Right. Or the, <laughs> and then exactly. you have to scroll through the notes to get the full name. And, uh, you know, it... It is what it is. Like mm-hmm. you bump into somebody and you realize that there's a, a whole food world here and mm-hmm. the next person introduces you to the next person. Right. Or or people that I've worked with that have become chefs over the last couple of years, they're they're always like, Hey, I found this great, you know, truffle guy. You should talk to him. Or I found this really great mushroom guy. Here's his company, here's his card, he's been doing great stuff for me, you know? So it's like if you do a good job then other chefs wanna refer you to other chefs. So well, for my listeners out there, before we got started, I said, oh, Chef Amy, tell me about this wine dinner. And I, she goes, Amy, I don't get to open enough wine anymore. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, we have a wonderful sommelier. Uh, she's actually new to our company. Her name is Emily Walker. Uh, but we did go to uh, culinary school together without knowing it. Right. She, I think she was the class ahead of me or something like that. Uh, but we have a lot of mutual friends and we also have a lot of mutual friends in New Orleans. So when she came on board, it was like, oh, you know him. I know him. So we kind of um, hit it off right right away. Um, but this is going to be our first wine dinner together. And I'm just excited to see sort of like the new direction that they take. So, well, you know, one of the things that's really interesting is 
when it comes to pairing food and wine together and everyone's palates are different. I mean, we were talking about the first time one kid eats sushi and then right. another kid, <laughs> like everyone's palate's different and our palates change, but the, the food and wine can enhance each other so much. How do you, how do y'all approach it to sit down and even figure out where to start? Um, usually we start with the wine. Right, uh, this particular wine dinner that we have coming up, uh, we started with the wine and it was mostly, hey, Emily, Emily, uh, our sommelier, she went out and she found the Copan Winery and she was like, I really wanna work with these people. The wine is just so like drinkable and elegant and I really believe in it and I want to use it. And I was like, okay, cool, so let's do a tasting. And then we sit down and we do a tasting, right? Um, and during the tasting, it's sort of, you're analyzing the wine as if you would, you know, in a, in a wine class, like you're looking at the color, you're looking at the viscosity, you're looking at the, you know, the tones, of uh, a uh, uh, floral aroma, whatever, whatever the aromas are. And then you're looking at how it is in your, in, on your palate, um, like the weight of it, you know, just every aspect of the wine. And I make, I end up making like a blueprint for the menu during this tasting, right? Because I'm like, oh, it has this salinity, this uh, blueberry or raspberry note. And then it also has this like leathery texture or uh, aroma over here. So I could use that. And so by the end of the tasting, I almost know what it's going to look like, at least in terms of the flow, right? So that's kind of how we start. <laughs> It, well, you know, I, I'm sitting here thinking it must be pretty amazing to watch, uh, you know, that thought process when it's happening in your head and you're, you're tasting and you're realizing, because in my head, I see almost like a, a formula and slides and mm -hmm. I'm pulling things over and I'm dragging them to piles in my head and these things go together. And it's just really interesting how that creative approach is so organized but can can seem like you're just coming up with ideas right 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 i mean it, it does look like that it does look like little slides it's like <clears throat> okay this wine has this weight to it it could go with you know these 20 proteins right but it couldn't go with you know this heavier poultry you know it would have to be uh raw seafood not a cooked seafood or or whatever but it's it's sort of like you're like putting things in columns like okay this goes with this and then it's going to go with maybe these flavors and then it's it's almost like you could watch it happen on like a blueprint or a timeline like on your computer which i actually started doing that after the last couple of years i started creating my own like master brainstorm workbook because i i've done so many of these and now i've just kind of combined all of all of the thoughts are you seeing you know there are patterns in food and we it, there are certain things that we go oh these two things always go together right and you you get pulled to that but now that you're looking back on this brainstorming workbook and all the flavors that you're building together are you starting to find new combinations or combinations that you go oh Huh. I wonder if anyone else thought of that. Right. <laughs> um, you know, yes, I, I definitely feel like that's that's happened where like patterns have, you know, just sort of shown themselves right over time. Like you learn that you have a sauce on the base of the plate. You have a, a 
vegetable or starch or protein or uh, some some type of base then you have your like main protein or if you're doing like a vegetarian menu you're like main vegetable right um and then you have a garnish and then you have you know something to make it crunchy or, or whatever so you start learning that there are there there's like a layout already in place and it's just sort of up to you to you know play with that a little bit or use local ingredients and see what what you can do to make it better right so I think I think there's definitely there's so many patterns and I think food that goes together grows or grows together goes together we, we know that in New Orleans right like everything that is local everybody's got like the basic recipes to make the the um, traditional foods right but I think that that was also my challenge with this wine dinner was like everything is so ingrained in the culture right and i didn't want to disrespect it but i also wanted to change it and elevate it a little bit so that it could be more of like a fine dining experience with all of those like down home flavors so well, now i'm intrigued <laughs> and i want to i want to talk about those flavors and all those courses because I get excited when I start seeing menus and they're like, oh, you get to be here for like two hours because we have five courses for you and right. all the wine. This is an event. This is an experience. Right. Um, but, you know, tell everybody about the menu that you're going to have for this wine dinner. Okay. How long do I have to talk about the menu? Because <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's, um, I could talk about it uh, in detail or I could really just go through it pretty quick. So... Um, I'll just start with the first course and you tell me if you need me to shorten it up. Um, so our first course, uh, we're using all Copen winery wines. Uh, we have two Chardonnays that are very different and two Pinot Noirs that are very different. Um, the first one is Le Voisson Chardonnay 2018 and all of these wines are uh, located outside of the Russian River Valley. Um, this one is from the Anderson Valley specifically uh, in California. Uh, the notes are more of like a pear and tonic and f like fresh green apple and we really wanted to play up the green apple for that. So the first course is actually, I actually named all of the courses. I've never done that before. <laughs> this is like a new experience for me so please bear with me but I thought it was super cute and it just like came out like so easily. Uh, the first course is called Ghost in the Shell. Uh, it's going to be an oyster po'boy eclair with smoked oyster ravigot apple, like a green apple raw slaw with a ghost pepper caviar. For those of you who know what ghost pepper caviar is, it's a, it's a local tradition basically from uh, Cajun caviar. And they do supply quite a lot uh, in this area. They're outside of the Atchafalaya Basin. So... Um, that It sounds so <laughs> fun. So in my mind, I'm visualizing, I'm thinking... Okay, a eclair dough with mm -hmm. like a choux pastry with all this deliciousness and like I'm gonna say gravy. People are gonna laugh because you know, <laughs> gravy is any liquid in, on a plate that I can dip my bread in. Right. But, uh, so I'm I'm thinking there's like this delicious sauce and then all of a sudden you get a crunch mm -hmm. of that applesauce. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of textures, a lot of flavor, but it's still very comforting. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Well, so y'all, I'm reading the names of the other courses, and uh, the second course is called Fat and Dirty. Fat and Dirty. Why? Uh, well, it's Mardi Gras season, right? So Gras is fat, and we all know Mardi Gras on Fat Tuesday. So I thought that that would be a good play on words, and then also Mardi Gras is like 
that time where you you just have no guilt right you want to empty your pantry and eat all the sweets and eat all the meats and all the cheeses and like all those great things that we're going to give up for Lent, right? So <laughs> it's it's a time to get a little fatter, right? And then the dirty is, you know, everything's everything during Mardi Gras. It's like the time to get down and dirty. And then also um, the second course has dirty rice in it. So that's kind of where that comes from <laughs> as well. I love it. Well, one of the things that got me excited on the menu, and it, it's a favorite of mine and it's not something I see all the time, which are sweetbreads. Mm -hmm. And I get sad when I go to a restaurant where I, I used to get it and now it's not really on the menu because it's not so popular. Right. But, uh, it does. Gosh. Yeah. Why, why, so tell, I mean, yeah, lobster, sweetbreads, it's all the almost like stuff that is, is just, you, maybe you shouldn't be eating it because it's right. so decadent. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so the lobster, uh, I wanted to do a, a play on like barbecue shrimp, like the New Orleans style barbecue shrimp with the beer and the Worcestershire and the lemon and the rosemary. Um, but I was like, oh, well, I need I need like a fancier protein. And so lobster kind of was it, you know. Um, so it's going to be sort of a barbecued lobster with crispy fried sweetbreads. And the sweetbreads are like, oh, man, they're soaked overnight. They're poached in a cubion or corbouillon. Um, sorry, I'm in New Orleans now. I say cubion though. <laughs> um, and then they're like pressed overnight and they're cleaned and then you bread them and fry them. And they're like the most buttery, delicious little nuggets ever. Um, and then I was going to do a, an Abita Amber aioli. Uh, I know it's a wine dinner, but I just can't do barbecue shrimp without beer. Absolutely. And then Worcestershire lemon. I wanted to do some crispy uh, kumquats like little slices on there with some creamy grits. So it's sort of my play on barbecue shrimp. I'm so getting hungry. <laughs> I, I, like I want it all. And I, I think we need to tell people who are listening, we can talk more about what's gonna be on there, but you need to know how to go to this wine dinner and when it is. So tell everybody when the wine dinner is and how they can get tickets. Okay. Um, the wine dinner is on the 23rd of February. And all you have to do is go to the Copper Vine website and click on the events uh, tab and it should be right there in front of you. Um, they will ask you what your dietary restrictions are and how many guests you're going to have. Um, or you can come into the restaurant itself and uh, your server can get it for you right then and there. So uh, many, many ven uh, avenues in order to get it. So I'm, I'm skipping ahead to dessert because, well, you know. I, there are times that sometimes I want an extra appetizer for dessert because I really liked the opening course. But then when I see things like moon pies, right? <laughs> I'm like, that's Mardi Gras. I mean, I, I'll take out a little kid for a moon pie at a parade, right? Right, for sure. <laughs> and, and it's something that you like eat as you're like walking around and looking around, right? Um, I mean, I guess you could do that with king cake, but I think king cake's just a little bit messier than that. Uh, but moon pies are great. So for the dessert course, I, I called it man on the moon. Um, king cakes are very traditional. So I wanted to do a king cake uh, type thing. So I did a king cake beignet. I'm going to be making moon pies and then also pralines. And it's sort of going to be a trio uh, together. But it's sort of like I think of it as like the king standing on the moon, you know, <laughs> instead of like there being a baby involved or anything like that. So I don't know. I just thought it was really cute. <laughs> well, I imagine whenever you put together this menu, uh, 
the staff got to sit down, got to eat it. You got to practice. It. Maybe you. We I haven't think, done that yet. Oh, we okay. done that yet. oh no. my goodness! So we're talking about it, and the staff doesn't even know how delicious this is going to be. Not yet. Yeah. Oh, no, this is. But hopefully, we don't spoil their surprise because I imagine when they get to sit down and taste all these flavors, it's, it's going to be pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. And then also a few of the staff members, like the staff of the month, are going to be able to come to the dinner. Oh, cool. As well. Yeah. So, wait, tell me staff of the month. I love that. Well, it's, it's sort of um, whoever sells the most wine, whoever, you know, it's like a sort of an incentive, right? Yeah. It's whoever sells the most wine, whoever sells the most tickets to the wine dinner also gets to participate in the wine dinner. Oh, great. So, so it's, it's sort of like... A fun little competition Oh, absolutely. The yeah, they're really in it. Well, <laughs> I, we won't tell them that you're cheating and you get to be on the radio. <laughs> but y'all, I'm pretty sure that Chef Amy's going to be in the kitchen cooking at that wine dinner no yeah. matter what. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> well, you know, what do you see ahead for Copper Vine and the... You know, months to come after you move past Mardi Gras, are you, you know, what, what's Ooh. on the horizon? So we are, we just got approved, they just signed all the documents to expand. Ooh. So we have this, um, this vision that our owner, Kyle Brechtel, he's had this vision since I can, you know, since I've met him. And he's always wanted a wine pub and inn. So they're working on expanding uh, the backside of Coppervine into a 10-room sort of, you know, eclectic, unique inn. Uh, And then they're also going to be doing a rooftop jungle lounge. Uh, Well, that's sort of like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But if you've ever seen our courtyard, it is a lot of tropical plants. It's a lot of greenery, you know, so they're almost extending that to the rooftop as well. That's awesome. And with the weather, uh, you know, March coming, the weather should be turning. It'll be perfect to be oh, out on that beautiful. patio and mm-hmm. everything. So yeah. Well, Chef Amy, if you'll tell everybody one more time how they can find uh, Copper Vine and where y'all are located, and sure, because I know they're going to be excited. We're located on the corner of Poydras Street, uh, Poydras and uh, O'Keefe Avenue, and then we are at coppervine.com, and then we're also coppervine. Uh, on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us everywhere. (laughs) Awesome. And for my listeners out there, if y'all want to check out the Mardi Gras Wine Dinner, it's February 23rd. So make sure you get your tickets. But uh, I want to thank you, Chef Amy Mertens with Copper Vine. I'm excited. I'm like, I'm going. I'm going to... I'm going to eat a, I'm going to eat a lot that day. It looks yeah. really I'll delicious. See you there. <laughs> For everybody out there, you've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of Dinner Party, Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao.